previously on books that you should have read, but <laughs> Engineer Mike told you to read the wrong book this week. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I've done nothing wrong ever. You're listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books, with your hosts, Engineer Mike and Nina McNamara. Ever wanted to know if the first few pages of a book were good enough to continue reading? Will a book be engaging enough, or will it bore you to death? Then keep listening. The plot thickens. You are not the first person to either be given a book or pick up a book in a trilogy of books. And the book you picked up was not the first book. <laughs> this really is the story of your life, isn't it? Like, the very first book I've ever read? My unorthodox reading history, I did not grow up reading books. It was not encouraged in either my household or the region of the world where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never read a book electively until I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And the very first book I ever picked up that I ever read was J.R.R. Tolkien's The Two Towers. <laughs> Notice I did not say The Hobbit. Or no. The Fellowship of the Ring. It was an old, tattered copy of the just The Two Towers. Mm-hmm. And I start reading this book, and I'm like, wow, I gotta tell you, this Tolkien guy, he just gets right <laughs> into the action. I mean, I felt like no you bullshit, just kind of start, right on the what's path. it called, in media res, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you just start in media res, shit has already gone down. The people that are left are trying to clean up the result of a great fight. Spending page after page taking care of Boromir and cleaning up his body. They seem to be really attached to him. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> I've never met him before. He seemed he seemed very important. I don't maybe I'll find out. Do you want to explain the context of why you're talking context about... Context of why I'm talking about that is because the book... We were supposed to read is N.K. Jemison's The Fifth Season. Mm-hmm. Instead, I gave to Nina the book N.K. Jemison's The Stone Sky. And this is all your fault because for weeks and weeks and weeks, you kept saying The Stone Sky, The Stone I Sky, know. The Stone Sky, The Stone Sky. Nobody said it was your before fault. Before yeah. I, before we started recording, I said, gonna, what book? I'm going to cut this. Don't <laughs> worry. It's all getting you can, cut. You can try to cut this. <laughs> I'm going to continue making this context. We'll, just, we'll said, just we'll just say right now, this was not Nina's fault. It was completely Engineer done, Mike's fault. Yes. You've done nothing wrong ever. And yes, everyone knows thank that. Thank you. Yes, okay. okay. <laughs> anyway, I go into my office with my e-reader and I said, what book am I reading? You said, The Stone Sky. <laughs> Final time, just to make sure. Yes, I know. <laughs> I said, great. <laughs> make sure to read The Stone Sky now. No other books. <laughs> That's definitely the one I want you to read that I'm thinking in my head right now. I came out of the office. I said, I've finished reading The Stone Sky. Yeah, and it, you it was, said, okay, said, great. Yeah. I'll get ready for the podcast. And I, and I can't remember. It wasn't until I looked up the history of M.K. Jemison's books was I like, oh, <laughs> shit, that was the wrong book entirely. Now, it is the book that was her most successful. Is it all. really? There's yeah. three books in a trilogy of books that are kind of collectively called the Broken Earth Trilogy. Yeah. That writer N.K. Jemison wrote. N.K. Jemison very very successful writer by these standards she's won the hugo award three times in Mm -hmm. a row very very good series of books to read i'm seeing that the stone sky also won the nebula award oh yeah it won won the nebula award as well and that year it also won the locust award though as i've said before i don't care care about the locust award (laughs) by now we should know that engineer (laughs) mike hates the locust award i'm not fond of it yeah but either way it won the leader of democracy yeah it won the it won the big two so this was the most successful book so instead of talking about 
the first book in this trilogy, we're going to talk about The Stone Sky. Which is so the third. It's the third in a trilogy, so right. your efforts were not wasted. Okay. And it's kind of going to be a, an episode about times in your life, or you know, it's definitely this thing where people will sometimes pick up a book that's not the first in a trilogy, mm-hmm. or the first in a series of books, whatever, Yeah. and they start reading it, and either they're just completely lost... Or it's so well written that you can get into it even though you didn't read the earlier books Yeah. in that series. Uh, like I said, that was my very first book experience. And The Two Towers was such an engaging book. I finally I went back and read the first part and I was like, oh, so that's how they got there. So this episode is going to be a little bit different, but we're going to make it work. Yep. But before we get to that nonsense, Engineer Mike, what are you reading? This week I am reading a recent article in The New Yorker. Oh my God, so fancy. Of which I'm not a subscriber. I just occasionally read articles. You're not that bougie. No, I just occasionally read articles in it. And it's a, uh, what would you call it? A, not a chronicle, a long form article about a person's life. Kind of an interview, I guess. Interview slash story kind of article about Samuel R. Delaney. Oh, okay. And about uh, Samuel R. Delaney's current life by a writer for The New Yorker. And just very, very, very neat article. Who's the author? Uh, the author is a, a person named Julian Lucas. Can good good writer. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good writer. He got uh, a chance to interview Samuel R. Delaney in the kind of past, I think it was past a year or two. Mm-hmm. And just fascinating look into the life of this, in my opinion, very, very fascinating person. Did you learn anything new? Um, Weirdly, no, because, well, I didn't learn anything new about Samuel R. Delaney besides the fact that so much of what I had read in his books before, as I had kind of suspected is true, a lot of it is quasi-autobiographical. Mm. He writes about what he knows. Yeah. That's why his books are what they are. Definitely post-Dalgren era, like we yeah. talked about before. I mean, obviously, he didn't, he didn't travel the stars before then, but, you know, his books post then are a lot about his life. His life as a gay man living through the AIDS crisis, living mm-hmm. in New York... Uh, eventually kind of settling down with a guy he met, former unhoused person. Mm-hmm. And kind of the story of the book I read of Samuel R. Delaney through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders, which I, the whole time I'm reading, like, so much of this seems like it's got to be autobiographical. Kind of is. The main couple of the story <laughs> in the Through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders, the main character's partner is very much Samuel R. Delaney's partner. Yeah. Somebody who, they're not into the same things, but they love them anyway. They make it work. It's one of those relationships where there's, an, let's say, an intellectual divide. You have one partner in the couple who's like a, has a PhD and the other partner has like maybe a GED, mm-hmm. but they can still love each other and have a long, long committed relationship. Sure. And that's kind of what they have. Yeah. The article was very long and didn't bore me for a second. Yeah. A lot of authors use fiction to explore facets of their life and their personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where they don't necessarily have to write memoirs. Yeah, anymore. yeah. That's why I say a quasi-autobiographical is the mm-hmm. term I use. Really interesting. Yeah. What I'm reading this week. What are you week? reading this week? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Complete departure from what you're reading. Okay, so as you know, I like to browse Reddit when uh-huh. I'm completely bored. You've mm-hmm. seen me. You've caught me watching yep. browsing Reddit yep. for... The good, the bad, and the completely inane, as I like to say. One of my favorite subreddits is r slash ffacj. God, what does that stand for? Uh, it stands for <laughs> Female Fashion Advice Circle Jerk. Okay, all right. All Which right. explain what that means in subreddit parlance. Par- parla- parlance. 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 Okay, so what Female Fashion Advice Circle Jerk is, it makes fun or satirizes posts or comments 
on other fashion subreddits, in particular r slash female fashion advice yeah. or r petite fashion advice. So basically what it is, so, there's, and there's a lot of subreddits like this on Reddit. <laughs> uh, they're basically just message boards. That, yeah. That's what they are. And circle jerk ones are just message boards on Reddit that are making fun of other message boards on Reddit. Correct. It's yeah. very, very, would you call it meta? Like extremely it's meta? It's extremely, yeah, it's extremely yeah. meta. Yeah. So a lot of the posts on the circle jerk, so FFACJ, are copy pasta of posts that already exist or Mm -hmm. comments that already exist. And the original posts are called the sauce Mm -hmm. or yeah, the sauce or the source. It's the fancy way of saying the source. misspelling of the source. Correct. They're left alone because they speak for themselves. You're saying that the kind of source thing they're making fun of is so ridiculous. They don't even really have to comment on it. Yes, exactly. They just present it unedited. On the, the circle jerk, all of the comments are done very sarcastically, or they're done very facetiously. Yeah. Satirical? Would you satirically, call it? Satir- yeah. yeah. Satirically. Yeah, so they're, they're done in this tone of, I am very into fashion. I am above you. I am below the age of 30, because anyone over the age uh, of 30 is... There's a lot of ageism. On yes, this a lot of ageism, yeah. a yeah. lot of fat phobia, mm-hmm. a lot of tongue-in-cheek racism, yeah. though that's, it does... Just, I want this to be extra clear. Yes. You're not laughing at ageism, ageism no, not and sexism at all. and racism. No, 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 no. Basically, no. the satirical people are making fun are. of the people who are being racist yes, and sexist. Yes, yes, that's ageism. exactly what the okay. circle jerk is doing. Yeah, they are making fun of that. Reading off a, a small sure. excerpt read, of a post. Read an example of one. Okay, so this one is a post on the circle jerk that is really just copy pasta of a post that already exists. Ah. So the title is, The fashion industry needs to make clothes for short and slim people, not just petite. All right. So if you know anything about fashion, Mm -hmm. you know that that is an absolute bullshit statement. Mm -hmm. I live in metropolitan Melbourne and I am five feet, zero inches tall and weigh 45 kilograms. So that's what, about 90 pounds? I cannot find (laughs) clothes that fit me, even in the petite section of all the clothing brands. They drown me. The pad legs and top sleeves are always so oh, long. Oh. And even though it's in the petite section. Oh, no. When they say petite, do they strictly mean tall and slim? Because there's literally nothing for short and slim people. My friend who is a fashion model measuring five foot nine. Where's the Ooh. extra small size? Oh, they have a friend who's a fashion model. Basically, they're a sure. fashion model, too. Yeah, sure. Much, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> extra small is usually the smallest size there is. It fits a five foot nine inch model perfect. Ooh. Then it does not fit truly petite people. This is so frustrating. Mm-hmm. No, yes. yes. And they go on for a couple more paragraphs just complaining that, you know, nothing fits mm. small, skinny people. No, of course. And the, the first They're comment, so discriminated against yes. small, skinny people. And just to give you an idea of what the comments are like, the very first top comment on this is, I have no advice for you, but I wanted to let everyone know that I am also skinny. There we go. Yep. And that's that's the kind of that's the kind of legit unsatirical mm-hmm. comments you'll find on the actual message board they're making fun Yeah, exactly. People that are just like, yeah, it's so hard for me too because I'm also so I'm skinny. I'm just so skinny. I just yes. can't find anything for me that is off the rack. Yeah, That's the kind of stuff that I'm reading. Ah, this well, that, that's fine. Not so, as you know, highbrow as a not, New Yorker article about Stimular Delaney. I will say it's not as highbrow as what I've been of reading. Of course but not. It's, it's perfectly fine. But then just like the relationship in Samuel R. Delaney's book, through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders. People can make things We work. make they this podcast yes, relationship we, we, work. We make it work mm-hmm. very well. So the book that we're, <laughs> we're talking about this week, I mean, I can't say I didn't want it. I clearly wanted it. I just had no idea what I was actually asking for is N.K. Jemisin's 
third book in her Broken Earth trilogy called The Stone Sky. N.K. Yeah. Jemisin, in my opinion, I mean, if you look at pure awards that the woman has won, one of the most successful writers of the second decade of the 21st mm-hmm. century. N.K. Jemisin writes again and again and again wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. She had three books in a row that won the Hugo Awards three years in a row. I mean, yeah. she, the woman is a powerhouse writer and writes, this is a fantasy series, the yeah. Broken Earth Trilogy, and a fantasy series the likes of which I have never read before. Interesting. A, a very, very far future fantasy series, kind of like the Dune books by Frank mm-hmm. Herbert. Once again, not science fiction. They're also fantasy. Agreed. And they're far, far future books. These are books where they take place in a world where humanity is so far distant from Earth, it's almost unrecognizable. Like, there's still people, there's still societies, you know, they still live in a society. But, like, <laughs> the world they live in is 40, 50,000 years in the future. In Dune, for instance, it was about 11,000 years in the future, I believe. In the uh, Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jemison that we're talking about, it I think it's about, like, 50 or 60,000 years in the future. Okay. It's very, very far in the future. Mm-hmm. So you enjoy her writing. Like, what can you tell me about yeah, her? Yeah, see, see, that's interesting. I, I loved the books. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put her books as, like, my most favorite of all time. Mm-hmm. But they're in the situation where I usually... I'm not a writer. It's very hard for me to criticize. I don't criticize writers, generally. No, but you're a very voracious reader. Yeah, I will, re- I will read everything. Yeah. But very rarely, I'll read a book by an author... And it was fine. And I'll just say, it's fine. And I won't really read anything else by them. Mm-hmm. N.K. Jemison was kind of an author who, this book was so highly recommended. And like I say, her series have won all the awards that I was like, okay, I'm going to try to read this. And I read like the first book and I'm like, that was pretty neat. And then I read the second book in the series and I'm like, okay, I'm liking this even better. And I, like, and I read the third book and I'm like, okay, I really like this. Mm-hmm. It kind of was a slow burn for me, which... That's not how usually how I work as a reader. It's like I read the book and I'm either loving it. The whole point of this podcast is about all about the first chapters. I'm either loving it from the first chapter or it's just fine and I'll read it. I'll finish it, but I won't really kind of read anything else by the author. N.K. Jemisin, I kind of grew to love her writing. Mm-hmm. I really, really did because I don't think I've ever read a trilogy that seemed more of a complete work in the author's head. I could tell N.K. Jemisin... She really, really knew the story she wanted to tell and told it. And it just happened to be in three books. Very commonly, I'll read trilogies by authors and I have no proof to back this up, but I believe this is how it works. They only had enough for one book. Exactly. And then they were paid. They got, they yeah. got a contract and the, then the publisher was like, I want three. So they had to crap out two other books, you know. And N.K. Jemison, I can tell that wasn't her case. She had a whole story she wanted to tell. It's, and it's a story about subjugated peoples and liberation of those peoples. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very cool story. So I want to get into what I read. Sure. So the book you read was the third <laughs> in this series of books where by this point, <laughs> I don't even know exactly what the heck is going on. Because like I said, the story of these three books is so complete and considered together, I don't even really know where the third book picks up because it's all just one story in my head yeah so definitely let's just say some shit's already gone down i'm sure by this Mm -hmm. point some big big important stuff there's two basically main characters in the book not spoiling anything i don't know if one of them has passed on or not by this point let me get to what i read how much did you read of this? i read the prologue and the first chapter i i don't know if that was 
discombobulating or or what? What was that like? Well, the prologue was extremely helpful because it okay. it kind of was a summary. Hey, great! That's that's always handy. But I didn't know it was a summary. I thought it was just kind of a this is what's going on ah, in this world. Just getting right into it. This, yeah, this again, yeah. like yeah. much like what you were saying about the, the two, two towers. <laughs> That was my two towers experience. Yeah. It's like, okay, so this is a just a really quick let's kick you off the cliff and yep. see if you can fly moment. <laughs> okay, the prologue is titled this, "Me When yeah. I Was I," which oh, I, very similar to Lenny esque. I have, I have yeah. to say, not, not to compare N.K. Jemison, but it sounds like that. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of something that would be in Dalrin. Yeah. So, and I, I it starts off someone is addressing another individual. Okay. And they're explaining how they destroyed the world. And I don't know if it was mm. the the narrator or the person they are addressing. And I don't mm. know that until the very end of the prologue. Oh, okay. And the person they are addressing is this person named Essen. But they're explaining that they're in the land of stillness. Mm. And there's no movement. This land is almost prehistoric now. Before then, like thousands of years ago, there used to be a city called Silanagist. Anagist? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce yeah, it. Again, this, yeah. these are close enough. And the it's city, a fantasy series. the Once city again. used to be technologically or magically advanced. It, it seems again, you know, the whole technology and magic. Yep. The intersection of yeah. which is kind of oh, blurred. Yeah. I don't know because again, at this point, I didn't know this was the third in mm-hmm. a trilogy. One thing that is interesting to note is there is an amethyst obelisk in the middle of the city, and mm. everything is connected to it. That okay. seems to really ah. focus on that. Mm-hmm. And within the obelisk is a prison where there is a young boy, which is mm. the narrator. The narrator reveals, ah, that young boy is me. Mm-hmm. And that young boy would be the one to destroy the world. Oh, interesting. So that was the prologue. That's just the prologue, okay. the which first, I thought, yeah. okay, this is pretty interesting. Again, yeah. I don't realize that this is mm-hmm. the third book. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm reading this, this point, on my... At you flip back to the beginning, maybe? The Kindle, yeah. and I see The Broken Earth, book three, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, that makes more sense. I don't know if this is like a maybe an industry thing, but it's definitely the case that a reader will pick up a book that mm-hmm. is not the first in a series of books, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to make it to where the reader can get caught up. Yeah. So they keep reading and that kind of exactly. thing. Exactly. And I've noticed that with books. I noticed that as, I don't want to say an industry standard, but it is a, a slightly common thing that happens. It did. It, it summarized the events of either the previous two books or the previous one book, or it just let me know what I needed to know in order to continue on with the okay. rest of the book. So right. I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty interesting. Huh. And another thing to point out is that this is in second person. This is the first book that we've read so ah. far where the narrator is... is addressing is, someone? Yeah, it's like oh. a choose-your-own-adventure style. Mm-hmm. Then we get to chapter one and second person continues. So... Mm. Okay. But I don't know who Essen is, but mm. Essen is, I'm guessing, the protagonist, or at least one of the protagonists. It's the, the person that is being addressed in the mm-hmm. prologue, mm-hmm. and uh, they wake up somewhere in the in the beginning of chapter one, and their arm is turning into stone. Ah, okay. Because the events that happened in the previous book, or the mm-hmm. previous books, mm-hmm. they affected those. They did the magic that happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me read what I wrote sure. down. Yeah. They did something. They opened the obelisk gate which gave them great power, and that great power is now turning them into mm-hmm. stone, starting with their arm. Also, there's a recurring thing I seem to be reading in a lot of books about arms turning into stones yeah. and or getting broken. Is this a common... You being way more knowledgeable about writing books than I am, is that a common thing that a lot of books do, and thus a lot of writers do, where a character 
they start becoming kind of, um, uh, what's the word? They start losing the function of an arm for some reason. An arm or a leg, it's metaphoric for losing a pound of flesh mm -hmm. or it's a self-sacrifice. Mm, okay. Yeah, because your character can't lose their head. Yeah. It's a meaningful sacrifice or gesture of... Or is it like a way to ramp up the action because you kind of made things harder for them? That too. There's a mobility yeah. issue, no. but also that little bit of sacrifice mm. that they okay. can't yeah. do. All right, so after reading the first chapter, summarize to me in a good 60 seconds, what do you think is the story that's going on? Let's see how well it did that. Uh, okay, well, in the first chapter, it's mm -hmm. pretty much summarized for it. So uh -huh. something's fucked up in this world mm -hmm. because of this magic. Yeah. There's a hint of, about climate change. Essen mm -hmm. is also missing their daughter. Yeah. Because of their big magical gesture. Mm -hmm. Things are really magically fucked up in this world. They've got to right the wrongs that the magic caused. They've got to get their daughter back. And oh, by the way, because things are turning into stone, there are these things called stone eaters mm -hmm. that are the bad guys. They mm -hmm. are coming after them. Mm -hmm. And they've got a personal interest in Essen because Essen is turning into stone. Mm. That pretty yeah. much sums it that's, up in chapter one. Chapter and I, I read that. I was like, that is a fucking concise way of explaining things to Good. the author. I was like, yeah. that is great. I like it. Hey, it's the first chapter. Then would you say that works? I would say that works out great. So there's a couple of slip ups like in the way things are explained. Mm -hmm. But again, that might just be me. You know, Probably because you're reading the, the third, third book. book in a trilogy. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> anything you've... This is one of those times where... Anything you feel like you're not getting is actually not your fault in this case. Yeah. It's because you're reading the third book in a trilogy. Yeah. And it's also not the author's fault. And I can't no, completely no. blame it on the author because, no, again, I'm reading the third book in a trilogy. I mean, the fact that you felt anything at all and you weren't completely lost is fantastic writing, yeah. in my opinion. And this particular book, The Stone Sky, is the one that won the Hugo and the Nebula and the Locus Award. It yeah. kind of swept the awards that year. Based on that, would you, I guess we'd usually say, would you read more of this book? But we have to say it. Would I go you, back? The different question we would ask this week is, would you go back and read the first book in the series? Yeah, actually I would, because now I'm curious as to find out how we got to this part. It's a long journey by the time you get to this point mm -hmm. in the books. A lot of stuff has happened where the battle lines are not so clearly drawn. Mm -hmm. And the actual antagonist is not the Stone Eaters, these people who you, you counter mm -hmm. they are the earth itself interesting yeah the planet earth itself oh weird which is almost spoken about by these people in this book as being a sentient thing the themes of climate change they're not done the same way they usually are done in stories like the first book in the series called the fifth season is literally about these people have five seasons in their reality they've got winter spring summer fall and then a fifth season which happens whenever great volcanic activity happens on their planet. Okay, so that would explain like the ash that's a falling Exactly, in yeah. One. And kind of that fifth season is a season that will last like 30 or 40 years. Okay. Like a long winter where nothing grows and where you better you better make sure you had food stores that could last decades or else you won't survive it. Very different episode we did here because of this, but it happens like very recently there was a there was a book called network effect that won in the won the hugo award in 2021 mm -hmm. and it was actually the fifth book in a series of books and the other four unlike nk jemison's books that we talked about this week where all three of them won the hugo award network effect was the fifth book in a series of books and the other four books hadn't won mm -hmm. like i don't know if they've won a major award or the hugo award so as a reader kind of like me who i, I like to read the books that that win these awards I kind of had to ask myself, do I just want to read that book? Yeah. Do I want to go back and read the first in the series? Is this a situation where 
the other four were wonderful too and they just didn't win awards? Or are the other four books in the series crap? I have no idea. This happens from time to time with books and I think we established here and, and from books in my past too, a good author will know that the books in their series, regardless of how they may be picked up by a reader, kind of have to stand on their own too. Because mm-hmm. you never know what bored 17-year-old kid is going to pick up a copy of The Two Towers, just The Two Towers, of course. and start reading and kind of have to figure out what's going yeah. on. No, I agree with you. If your book can't stand on its own, well, then you might need to send it through a couple more revisions. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an actual episode of the fifth season one day. Sure. Or um, uh, maybe this will be it. But, like I uh, said, I didn't hate it. It, 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 oh, was, good. it was decent, yeah. What do you think about the writing style? It was good. It was fine. I I didn't hate it. I thought this was a mature writing style. This is not amateur. With some fantasy, it gets really purple and it gets really flowy. This was not. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that is very, very true. It is just matter of fact writing about a very, very neat world and very, very neat situations by an author who just knows what the fuck they're doing. Mm -hmm. All right. So that's uh, another episode wrapped up. If you somehow started on the fourth episode of our podcast <laughs> and you didn't listen to any of the previous ones, please go back and listen to those. They're also good episodes as well. Yes, they are. And we worked hard on them. And somehow if you started here and are extremely confused. <laughs> Why we do this, what we're talking about. Well, we apologize. Yes. <laughs> we need to pick a different podcast topic. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books. Your hosts were Nina McNamara and Engineer Mike. Our music was provided by Alex Productions and Virtua Jams. Check out our website at graycatbooks.com for links to our credits. Thanks again for listening.